Hey, it is good to be back. I'm glad to be here. Can I talk from out here? That's feedback, isn't it? Yes, I hear it. I'll be contained up here then, and we'll talk from here. But it is good to be back. I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad that you guys are uh, out here in the heat. And I love it. And uh, heat, although I don't like, I put up with, man. I love it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Glad you're here. Um, Let me pray for us, and then we'll kind of get started. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for my friends and my family that are here, my forever family that's gathered because they know that uh, they need a meeting. They need to get together and uh, be open and honest and share and communicate and Uh, I just ask that tonight as we talk about authenticity, that you would help guide us and that you would help direct us through um, our evening. And may your your word speak true and uh, speak into their lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I grew up here in Modesto, but I grew up as a chameleon. I grew up as trying to fit in wherever I can, trying to become whatever I can, Paul writes in, in his uh, apostles, in his uh, Pauline epistles, he, he writes this thing that says, I become all things to all men so that some may come to know the Lord. Well, I became all things to all men so that some may like me. And that was my reality is I just wanted somebody to like me. And so for those that were athletic, I tried to be athletic. I played football. I did baseball. I did karate until a girl kept kicking me in the shins and I had to quit. But that's okay. Um, I got past that maybe. Um, and for those that were religious, those that were in church, man, I could memorize scripture, the Bible sword drill. I was good at, see, I went to Modesto Christian and you'd hold the Bible above your head and then they'd give you the the verse and you bring the Bible down and you open it up. I was good, man. I got a lot of candy for winning those things and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I was a chameleon, but I lived a lie as a liar. I lied, I deceived, I manipulated, and what people saw wasn't me. What they saw was this facade that I put up in front of them. Whatever I thought they would like, that's what I would share. Whatever I thought they would want to hear, that's what I would tell them. In uh, this book called True Faced, which is now called The Cure, um, he writes about this. He writes about salvation in a way that says there's two rooms that you choose. And it talks about a man going down this path in the forest. And he has to choose between these two paths. And this path is marked one that, that, that talks about perfection. And well, don't we all want that? So he goes down this path and he walks in this room. And in this room, the longer he stays there, the more he realizes that it's about performance the more he realizes that people are simply wearing a mask. And then when he catches them at a glimpse and he catches them out of the corner of his eye, he can truly see that smile that they had in the mask is no longer there and, and he's seeing the frowns and the unhappiness. The reality of that chameleon type lifestyle. And so he goes back down the path and he goes into uh, down this other path that he talks about, that's about Grace. And acceptance. That's not about performance. It's not about how good you are. But it's about who you are. See, because scripture talks about this in 1 John chapter 1, 
one of my favorite passages of scripture when I started to truly return to the Lord was this passage, actually uh, all the way through verse 10. But I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 to you. And uh, <coughs> it says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin, from all sin. That's what I love about that passage of scripture. And that's where I think that we have to walk as believers in Christ. And one of the values that we have here at Sober Recovery is authenticity. Authenticity. Some people may call it truth. Some people may call it honesty. I like the word authenticity. I want to be authentic. And I want to be in relationship with people that are authentic. See, I already mentioned that I was a chameleon. I was living a fake life. I was deceiving others because at a young age, I had a belief system that I started to create. And that belief system started with the fact that I was unworthy. That at my core, at who I am, the Scott Stubbert that I know is unworthy. That if you truly knew me, you wouldn't like me. That my friends, if they truly knew who I was, wouldn't like me. One of my favorite movies is the movie Rad. If you truly knew the movie Rad, you wouldn't like me. It's an old cheesy BMX movie. Don't worry, Scott. It's all right. You'll never see it. Although I do have the DVD if you want to borrow it. Um, but here's the thing is, is at my core, I thought I was unworthy. And because I thought I was unworthy, I thought that nobody would ever like me if I stayed the same. If I truly stayed the same, I would no one would like me. And because no one would like me or love me, my needs were never going to get met. <clears throat> Nobody would ever meet my needs. And my, my needs were acceptance and love and all that kind of stuff. And since nobody else is going to meet my needs, guess what? I got to meet my own needs. And what's my greatest need? Well, for a sex addict, it's sex. For a food addict, it's food. For you that's sitting out there, it may be control, it may be drugs, it may be alcohol, it may be some other form. For those that have been abused, maybe at your core, you just think that you're, you, you're, you're there to be used. But no, you're a perfect, precious child of God, meant to be loved and cared for. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. See, my mind was messed up. And at some point in recovery, I had to start to transition and transform my mind. But I can't do that on my own. See, my way of thinking got me in these rooms. My way of thinking got me messed up. And I had to renew my mind. I had to transform my mind. And I do that through the word of God, through Christ. I do that through these rooms, through authenticity, through fellowship. How do we get authenticity? Well, the first thing that I, as I was thinking about this, first thing that I have to do is be vulnerable. I still remember the first time that Scott asked me to uh, do announcements. I was scared. 
Because up until that point, I hadn't heard anybody else say what I was about to say. Everyone else said, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a chemical addict, or I'm a codependent. And I got up for the first time and said, hey, I'm Scott, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and recovered from sex addiction. And I saw everybody in the room go, whew. They all like got hit with a brick in the face. It was crazy. And I knew that was something that had never been done. And it was a shock for a lot of people. Maybe your first time here and you heard me say that. Maybe it was a shock for you. Can we talk about this in church? Can he say that? Yes, we can. But there's something about being vulnerable and opening up and sharing who we are. And that is huge for us. The first thing in my vulnerability is I have to attack my pride. See, pride is huge. And society tells us this. Society teaches us that we can't show any weakness. We have to be strong. If you're weak, you're going to be taken advantage of, and you're not worth anything. If you're weak, you're worthless. Well, God calls us and tells us something totally different. God tells us that in our weakness, it is beautiful. Let me read these words to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God calls us to attack our pride. I coach wrestling and I coach football, and uh, the one thing that I know at the league we play in here at Big Valley is the tougher team, the team that goes out there and hits the hardest, usually will win. Because after the first quarter, the other team is mentally beat. On wrestling, if you go out there and you dominate the guy physically, you will beat him. You will break his spirit. There's nothing more awesome in the sport when you see the other guy break. In our life, that's not the same. That's not the same. We want to be humble. We want to be able to say yes I have weaknesses. Yes, I'm a sex addict. Yes, I have control issues. Yes, I have this. Yes, I have this. And we have to be honest with that. We have to be vulnerable. See, in the past, I had tried to be vulnerable. In the past, in high school, I had tried to confess. I had tried to tell others that I was a sex addict. I was met with the Bible verse. I was met with go and pray. I was met with a lot of different things. See, I didn't have a good picker on having somebody that's safe for me to share these things with. And I did not know how to be vulnerable. I did it more out, out of guilt and shame than I did out of being vulnerable and working on that aspect of my life. But once I started to get in recovery, I could find people that were safe. I found a sponsor that was safe, that although I was sitting in Starbucks, I felt safe with to share my deepest, darkest sins. And he didn't reject me. He didn't try to fix me. He didn't try to hand me a Bible verse. He didn't say, hey, can I pray for you? Because I know sometimes that's the Christian line. There's nothing wrong with a Bible verse. There's nothing wrong with praying for somebody. But that's 
what I was met with as a kid that I felt rejection through. But as an adult, as I started to work the program, I found that sponsor. I found accountability partners. I found people that I could truly share what was going on at the depth of my soul. And they didn't reject me. See, because in James chapter 5, verse 16, there is a principle that I think is huge for recovery. One that we must gain. One that we must have in our life. Because I know even though we walk through these rooms and we go through step studies, there's still some of us that go, I'm going to share a lot, but there's still that one thing I'm never going to share with anybody. But that's not how the program works. We have to be totally sold to being vulnerable and open. And James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If you truly want healing in your life, you will be able to confess that sin with somebody else. The prayer of a righteous man, righteous person has great power as it is working. There's something powerful in us when we confess that we're able to get that healing from our brothers and sisters. After being vulnerable, we have to rely in truth. See, AA would use the phrase rigorous honesty, cash register honesty, that we would be open to 100% honesty. That means everything. As a sex addict, I, tell the, I told a lot of lies. And see, for my wife, if I was to lie about small things, did you put these dishes here? Uh, no, it was Silas. It was someone else. If I lied about that, guess what? Her thought was, if he's lying about these small things, how can I trust him in these other things? As addicts, that's exactly what happens. And we have to have, to, we have, to have cash register honesty. We have to be open to the truth, living 100% in reality about all things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, we've put off the old lifestyle. We've put off the old stuff. That's why you're here. You're here so you can be new, so you can be renewed in Christ. And so we must live in that way, living in truth and honesty, telling everything as it is. Not only that, but we, have, we must walk with him. And the reason why we must walk with him, because Jesus himself says this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the truth. And then you go to 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, and it says this. If we, have, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, which is Jesus, and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, we're called to walk in that light. We're called to walk with him. That's what truth is. That is truth in our life, in all aspects. 
If we walk with him, we have no fear of what we're going to say. We don't have to remember what lie we told. We don't have to remember all those lies we told to cover the lie, to that cover the other lie, that covered this lie, that covered that lie, that covered the lie from junior high, whatever it is. And when we live in truth, then we must face humility or we can be humble. And humility is huge because humility is actually what helps us fight that pride. It helps us attack that pride. It helps us put that pride in check. That pride that we face, that pride that we wrestle with. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. See, when we live in humility, we have unity with those around us. But I know for me, when I have that pride that I think I know what's better, guess what? I'm trying to control. I'm trying to fix. I think people are idiots. I'm giving people the one-way sign on the street as they cut me off. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's why I don't put a bumper sticker on my car. Um, but I'm just saying, no, I don't. I've never done that, actually. But um, the thing is, is we have to be in unity with others. And when we're in unity in the same mind, we can have sympathy. And we can love. And we can have a tender heart. Why? Because we can accept them for who they are. We can see them for all their failures. And we can understand it. But when we wrestle with pride, we struggle with this verse. And this is what this verse in Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, when I'm able to focus on my own stuff and I see my own stuff, I don't have to worry because I got enough stuff in my life. I don't have enough time to focus on your stuff. When I'm working on me, I don't have to work on fixing my wife. And a lot of times that's one of the things that I see from couples that come and try to talk to me is, they're so focused on the other person and what they're not doing or what they are doing that they never take a chance to step back and to take care of the log that is there in their own eye. And they never focus on, the, on that. Instead, they're focusing on the speck that is in their husband or in their wife's eye. And they live in a life of total unrest and toxicity and fights and calamity and they never have a chance to have peace. They never have a chance to have unity and love within their home. And so, when you feel that urge to fix the governor, when you have that urge to fix maybe the president, when you have that urge to fix the pastor, when you have that urge to fix the open share facilitator, because they're not doing it the way that you think they should be facilitating Guess what? Take a step back. Humble yourself. And let them deal with their own stuff. And you, work on your stuff. 
ask yourself these questions. What is God trying to teach you in that moment? It's one of the greatest lessons because I came into these rooms and I was in a church almost my whole life. And so when we would do Bible study and we would ask a question, there was always those people that were answering and talking and fixing. And that's what I was raised with. That's what I was taught. And to go into a group where all I can do is be quiet and only talk three to five minutes, that was difficult. Because there were people that said some whack stuff that I was like, that is crazy. But here's the thing. When I first walked in the rooms, I shared some whack stuff. I shared some crazy stuff. And I was met with a smile. I was met with Scott. I'm glad you're here. I was met with a hug afterwards and acceptance for who I was. And I know they probably thought, that dude's a sex addict. He's crazy. (laughs) I know. Because I was in the chemical addiction group. That was the only group we had at the time. But I found my way, me and four brothers, connected. We were able to work through our stuff. And when we're able to have that stuff, we're able to have humility, there must be love. Love comes with authenticity. People can tell when you're fake. They can tell when you're lying. The love comes. And when you can finally love yourself, you'll be able to truly love others. You will truly be able to love them for who they are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, Having purified your souls by your, your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. See, when we purified our souls, when we work the program, we live in authenticity, we walk in the light, we have truth that is on our side, we're walking with Christ then we can have that pure love that is poured out of us because we're living in obedience to God's word. I can truly love my brothers that are just messed up as I am, that are sitting in the exact same circle that I am, that are sharing in the step study that I am, that we are all messed up and I can earnestly love them from a pure heart. We can truly love our spouse from a pure heart. Because we're working our program. Because we're able to love ourselves and love others. When we love like Christ, we can forgive like Christ. See, that was something that at the end of the uh, Beatitudes, that always, or the Lord's Prayer that always bothered me, it says, then if you don't forgive others, then your sins will not be forgiven. And I always struggle with that because I loved holding on to grudges. But when I love others and I truly love others, guess what? Forgiveness comes easy. When I love my wife like Christ wants me to, and she does something that ticks me off, which, believe it or not, I do get angry at times. I know it's a shocker. But um, guess what? It's easy for me to love her. It's easy for me to forgive her. When my kids, who I love, do something stupid... Our basic family rule is don't do anything stupid. When they do something stupid, I get a chance to, to love them and care for them. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Above all, keeping, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. And when I live an authentic life, and I'm open and I'm honest, and when I get up here and I share my stories, and when I tell people about Christ and His love and what He can do for their life, 
And I'm not hiding. I'm not a chameleon. I'm being able to be real and honest. I'm not living in that room of performance, but I'm living in the room of, of who I am and grace and acceptance. It's in those rooms, it's in those times that God is able to use me. And authenticity is huge for us. And I encourage you that you would apply these things to your life, that in your recovery, that you will be authentic, that you will be real, that you will be honest, that you will have cast register honesty, that you will have vulnerability and truth and humility and love through this journey. Because that is something that is important to us as we walk to become more like him. Is to live in those moments. So I challenge you, as best you possibly can, live an authentic life. Live a life that is walking with Christ. And that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It simply means you got to step out of the shadows and walk in the light. And to walk in the light means to be truly known. And that means you have to be vulnerable to let somebody into your life. That means you have to be truthful and tell them everything. That means you have to be humble. And suck up that pride. Let it go, that character defect. And let people know everything that's going on. So that you can love and so that they can love you. Let's stand and close our time with the serenity prayer. And we'll head off the group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever than that. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's water back there. Make sure you grab one on your way to group. First time guests and second time guests, go to the table, and we'd love to help you find your group. Other than that, I love you guys. I'll see you guys afterwards for dessert. Thank <laughs> you.